Hello, and welcome back to the Second Screening Podcast. My name is Nicholas Lane, and with me, as always, is my good friend Matthew. Yeah, what? You guys think we haven't heard from these jokers in a year? Are they done? They get burnt out? No, no, no. This isn't Paranoia Shop. We're still going. (laughs) Yeah, we're still on you, Paranoia Shop. But now we have a better understanding of why it took you so long to put out episodes of your podcast. It's still been three years for you guys. It's only been over a year for us. Yeah, it definitely adds to the like. I mean, I want my free content and I want it now. What are these lazy guys doing? And it's like, oh, wait. Now we are the lazy guys. Yeah, absolutely. There is a capacity to podcasts that people are like, oh, I'm listening to my friends. Like I get to listen to my friends have a conversation and I'm part of it, but I'm listening. And then for that to just go away, you're like, what, where do my friends go? Yeah, I was like, hey, do you guys want to talk about some spooky stuff? Uh, well, let's talk about some spooky stuff. It's been like three and a half years. It's kind of weird. You know, there was, there really hasn't been anything that spooky anymore. Okay. They, they ran after... 14 episodes, I think, or was 15. it 19? It was 15. 15 was a crypt, cryptid. I do that. Great title. I know. Uh, that was it. There's no more spooky things to talk about. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> they need, okay, so they need to wait like five years for the spooky backlog to fill again. Yeah. So that you can do like Price is Right style where you just record like five episodes in a day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Just so like one after another. Oh, yeah. I forgot that Price is Right did that. I they think only... pretty much all game shows do that. Yeah, they only film on one day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like all the expenses, you know, getting that thing set up. And then once it's set up and everybody's there, just okay. that. like the Jeopardy ones were, you know, that one was definitely multiple ones in a day and they would that's where they would have like you couldn't talk about it because it would tell what would happen because you know it was a while ago and they did them all in a row yeah absolutely i could not be alex trebek one you know uh yeah but the news of alex trebek's like recent cancer yeah hopefully he pulls through because i do love jeopardy i lot. do as well yeah and i can't just i can't imagine i know there will be somebody else to sure. take over jeopardy yeah. but it's just not gonna be the same i think yeah i mean it's an institution with alex trebek but like most things you know if if it doesn't get messed up it'll be a you know drew carey i think actually did a really good job taking over the prices right and, yeah you're right you know john stewart wasn't the original host of the daily show so sometimes it's better that's true i forgot about that yeah he wasn't um going back to the prices right over christmas i watched this really boring documentary about this guy who like they made it seem like there was this big conspiracy that this this guy had he was like an expert at prices right to the point where he even like made his own prices right game like he programmed it in like basic oh sure it was really That's cool awesome. actually yeah it was really awesome but they ha- the person doing the uh showcase showdown uh-huh. had guessed the exact price of I think it's like if you guess the exact price of your showcase you win both showcases it's within it's within a hundred or a thousand you get both. Oh, it doesn't uh, have to be exact, but it's a very narrow range. Right. And so what I like this had never have happened before, but this person guessed the exact dollar amount. Oh, the exact. Okay, yeah. So not even in the mayor range, but like spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, they like they're like, we what do we do? Like they just shut down the production for like 15 minutes. And that person was not allowed to come back and be like an audience member anymore because he'd been coming so frequently. Oh. That they were like he cheated somehow, and the it, whole thing like was like counting. He just memorized all the stuff. And, yeah, but it wasn't yeah. even him. He wasn't the one doing the showcase showdown. He uh, was just in the audience helping the guy out because oh, you can do that yeah, as part yeah, of the show. Yeah, you always look at the audience. So if you, if you if this guy knows twenty people, mm-hmm. they you know everyone around him is like regulars. Yeah, they yeah. know he's the guy. It's like when they look at the audience, you're looking at that one guy, and you're like, this twenty five pack of downy. I need to know this price now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so he, they were like, you can't come back and be an audience member anymore. And 
like the whole thing was so anticlimactic. It was really like we're not reviewing that movie because it was a documentary, obviously. Sure. It was it was just awful because it was like the, all this buildup of this guy being like not really trying to game the system of uh, the price is right. He was just playing along in the way that was fun for him. Sure. And then it just blew up in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, why did we even have this? Like, I didn't. I thought this was going to be really interesting. Like yeah. this big thing where it's like, actually, turns out I was nefarious the entire time or something like that. No, it was just a big fucking coincidence. Un- unless it's like the uh, the mention of This American Life on the OC, that hipster know it show about the know it alls who think normal people are interesting. Yeah, maybe yeah. the are like the audience for that is the people who just like, oh yeah, it's just like a normal guy that had a good memory and really liked the prices right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, we're not talking about that movie yeah, yeah, for this week's podcast. Week, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they don't know. They don't know we actually recorded this back in 2016. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just like never hit release. Oh my god, it it hasn't been 2016. I made I think a, the uh, last time we recorded though was 2017. It had to have been 2017, which is insane to me. It's 2019 now. Oh my god, that's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, because uh, we picked the movie that we're doing this time because it was my birthday month. Last time we recorded. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's it. So yes. my birthday month is January and it's now no longer January and it's no longer 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was even early 2017. Yeah. Man. I've, or I've... I think it was like maybe November 2017. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. It was this birthday. Okay. I don't feel so bad then. I mean, it's no, still no, not we, great. But... We skipped a year. Like it was like November that January was like, okay, it's going to be my, we're going to record in my birthday month. That was January 2018. That we were supposed to record, and then we did not record for another year. Oh, we do suck. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. This time on the Second Screening Podcast, we're reviewing my favorite movie of all time, Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso. A Hayao Miyazaki film. Um, so, Hayao Miyazaki is known for films like, like most people will remember Spirited Away. Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle. So, those are like kind of his big ones. Or like, my Friend Totoro. My Friend Totoro is also like, that's his like... Those three might be his biggest ones. Yeah. You might also remember like Kiki's Delivery Service. I remember that one, but I think that one's probably less known. I think it's less known. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then he also did uh, Lapita, Castle in the Sky, and yep. Nazca, Valley of the Wind. Nazca of the Valley of the Wind, I mean. Okay. Yeah. It sounds, it's, that rings a bell. Yeah, and then also uh, Princess Mononoke. Okay, that one I know as well. Yeah, right. I remember, but that was from like watching Adult Swim and like, 2000s and yeah, late yeah. 90s so yeah like princess mononoke is an interesting one because it's such a divergence from okay, him because sure. it's so there's a lot of the themes that miyazaki does but that one was so gory it was oh, so was bloody it? oh i haven't actually seen it so okay yeah so um there's like a scene where the guy the main character in that movie he's like cursed with super strength okay. which sounds like not that bad of a curse it's but like it's the like midas curse right kind of yeah. yeah but so he like shoots this arrow and the bow that he has is like a super strong bow and he shoots this arrow so hard it like knocks a guy's arm off and then like there's just like blood splatter wow that's, and the, that's metal yeah it was pretty crazy and the way that miyazaki draws food or like portrays food he also portrayed blood in this way it was very syrupy oh like the blood was like spraying out but it was like goo sure which is kind of what blood actually does look yeah, I mean, like blood's more viscous than like a you know in kill bill it's yeah, not yeah. like water out of a fountain right <laughs> or that one uh evil dead musical we went to in las oh, vegas yeah it's not they like spray, either. <laughs> they spray 
cold Kool-Aid at us yeah, to that, represent blood. That was very unpleasant. That was nothing about that. that was good. Yeah. We didn't even get like the drinks we were promised. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's the part I remember. Oh yeah, we need to go back then. I need to get my drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing Porco Rosso. Um, and I believe, Matthew, you have some of our Matthew's factuals. Yeah, AKA, I look up stuff on Wikipedia so you don't have to while listening. Um, <laughs> in this case, uh, really the, the most interesting thing that, uh, it was an earlier film of the, the studio uh, Ghibli. And I knew, I knew about that studio. You know, I knew, I knew all those films. This is actually only the second Miyazaki film that I've actually seen. What was I, the other one? Um, Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, really? Of yeah. all the ones, I'm surprised that's the one you saw. Yeah, I don't know why, but that's the one that that that's the only other one I've seen. But I, you know, there, you nothing speaks to how culturally important these are. The fact that you know I knew about them without having seen them. Yeah. Um, this is one of the earlier ones. I had assumed with no knowledge based on watching this, I was like, this was probably one of the later ones because it seems so serious because, you know, Howl's Moving Castle, you know, it's magical and whimsical and kind of kids. And mm -hmm. I knew about Kiki's Liberation. Oh, I'm sorry. I've seen my friend Totoro, too. Oh, yeah. And okay. so, um, so, you know, I assume Porco Rosso was one of the later ones, but it was actually one of the earlier ones. It came out in 92. Yeah. And all the big ones came out after. So, yeah. So My Neighbor Totoro was, I think, came out right before this one. Like, you might have the timeline, but I believe that. Um, so if I recall the timeline for miyazaki films it's actually uh lupon the third in the castle of cogliostro which is incredible but that's that's the only one that he's done that's like based on a separate title or a separate anime title how's moving castle is actually based on like a russian book i believe okay and this is based on something as well kind of not yeah. really yeah you would know better than me fair enough um and so then it was nasca valley of the wind uh i think like whispers of the heart that uh, that one might come later, and then, and then I think it's my neighbor Totoro, and then I think it's this one, and then Kiki's Delivery Service. Okay. I, did, did you look it up? I was try I was trying to, but I couldn't find it. Okay, well that's fine. I yeah. think it's something like that, but yeah, it's one of his earlier one or earlier movies, and. Uh, oh, okay. I got have it now. So, so from the big canonical ones, mm -hmm. um, my friend Totoro appear. Oh, the the what is it? What is it called? The Naskiska? Naska Valley of the of the Valley of the Wind. Apparently, that came out in eighty four. Mm -hmm. My friend Totoro was eighty eight. Kiki's Delivery Service was eighty nine. Porco Rosso was ninety two. Mm -hmm. uh, Princess Mononoke was ninety seven. Spirited Away was two thousand one. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle was two thousand four. So actually, I guess this is really more in the middle than at the beginning. So I yeah. take back what I said earlier. No, it, but it's yeah. it's. It is thematically different from those those movies, yeah. the first ones. It's a very magical, whimsical kind of fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because like one of the ones that I mentioned before was like Whispers of the Heart. And that one isn't magical, but it's about like this relationship between these two people. Okay. But the one that follows it is The Cat Returns. And that one is like extremely magical. Like okay. they follow this cat into like the cat world. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, this film, this is actually a Nictuals Fictuals nice uh this film is based on an earlier work that miyazaki had done as a film that would be like played during uh japanese ANA. Japanese yeah, yeah, yeah. Was like ANA. That, that was the only thing i had i was originally planned as a 30 to 45 minute in-flight movie for japan airways yeah yeah oh, apparently japan he liked it so much that he uh just turn it into a movie. Yeah, so something that people don't know about Miyazaki is that he's a huge aeronautics fan, especially yeah. the early days of aeronautics. Yeah, 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 the golden age of flight when everything was super magical. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so he was just like 
super interested in this idea and just ran with it. Yeah. I love it. So one of the things that I really love about this movie is that it plays off of my love of another, what all what is kind of referred to as diesel punk show, Tailspin. Oh, 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 Spin it. Yeah. So yeah, I really love that, like the kind of the float plane style. Like yeah, the, 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 the Fiji island is everyone's base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so um, th- when I saw this movie, I'm like, holy crap, this is like Tailspin, but kind of for adults, but not really because it still has an anthropomorphic animal as the That's main true. character. That's true. Um, but it, it dealt with like more serious tones. Yes. And uh, I just like fell in love with it instantly. I, everything about this is How like How did my, you find it? I... I think I was just trying out different Miyazaki movies. Like okay, just I, going through the catalog. Yeah. Fair enough. And I'd seen like a like demo of it or something like that. And I'm like, that looks interesting. And so I checked it out. Sure. I mean, that was, uh, I watched Redline because we watched that AMV at SecureCon with it. And oh, then, yeah. And then I was like, I should go watch Redline. And I did. And you never did. I still haven't seen Redline. Yeah. I don't know why. I want to. It's it looks good. really good. Yeah. So. That, that was kind of like me and this movie and sure. I just fell in love. And it's also like my aesthetic. Like for people who know me, I am like an old man trapped in a coming to middle aged man's body. Push, yeah. Damn you pushing mid 30 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but like I really like older aesthetics. Like sure. I like wood panel things and I smoke a pipe and yeah. that I'm just kind of an older aesthetic kind of person. And this movie fits right in that older aesthetic where... It doesn't deal with any of like the actual like grimy nastiness of being alive in the 1920s when I think things probably smelled like shit all the time. Maybe in the U.S. Oh, well, I guess post-war. Post-war, yeah. Yeah, but and I guess after, you know, after it wasn't too bad. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of just paints this like, you know, golden age of, you know, the world sort of thing. Like after World War One, before World War Two, kind of aesthetic and i really dig that yeah and all the music is like jazz in it and i really like that it's, yeah it's awesome so I mean, that's something i really you know like. we're both fans of lovecraft and one of the thing i like about lovecraft is that you know the roaring 20s appeal right yeah yeah it's, absolutely yeah all right so porco rosso begins with these uh pirates so yep. you don't know they're pirates necessarily at first but like there's this cru- cruise liner and these guys like land and take all the money and just get this really quick scene where they're like stealing uh money and then they're also taking all these like little kids hostages, hostages yeah yeah and the kids are like thinking it's all in good fun so they're like haha like we're playing well, you're, yeah when you're a kid you can't understand the concept of like being kidnapped and then just like kicked out of the plane over the water oh there's a i guess a motorcycle going by so this is a, that's actually another thing when i'm listening to like you know all the podcasts we listen to you'll hear like ambulance sirens in the back and yeah, then, yeah and it never made sense to me until we started doing this because like what are you gonna do about that like yeah, Maybe no... you could re-record it, but otherwise that, just like, I guess we just got that. Yep, nope, I only got a motorcycle now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they, they take these kids as hostage, and then they say something like, come get us, Porco, or something like that, and there's like a sna- like a newspaper yeah, the sort clippings. of thing, clippings. And then, you know, there's this umbrella on a beach, and the phone starts ringing, and this like guy like kicks the phone over and like picks it up. And I always love that idea where I'm like, how did you get a phone all the way out on the beach of this like weird little island that you're in? So like there like you see like the up like from an top aerial down view, view yeah, yeah. top down view of this like ring island with a little like secluded beach on the inside with like a plane and an umbrella. And this guy like kicks over the phone and like picks it up and you like 
what's the job? Blah, blah, blah. All right, I'm on it. Yeah. I'm a gruff guy. Yeah. And he takes off and then you see that he's a pig and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And he goes and like, you know, shoots down the plane, but in such a way that he can protect the kids and, you know, saves the day and gets the kids back and leaves the uh, pirates with some amount of money. Yes. So that they can, you fix, know. So they can like fix their ship. Fix their ship. And so, plane. Yeah. 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 So they're not going to die out in the middle of the water. Like yeah. he shows mercy as yeah. a person, but also like as a bounty hunter, he's like, I want you guys to continue fucking up as bad as you have. So I continue getting easy money. Repeat you. business. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I believe like he lands, he, like it's his stuff done, lands at this island that has like a rest like it's just a building on the island yeah it's it's it reminds me of i've never been but you know when you see things in like venice you Mm -hmm. like take the gondola to like the cafe you're right and (laughs) so that's actually a good point this movie is set in italy it is set in italy it's actually set in the adriatic sea just after world war one yes but on hot on the heels of the fascist uprising Uh, or right right right. above or right before the fascist uprising in italy yeah well i guess oh yeah because well i guess later in the film part of what he talks about is he doesn't like want to work for a fascist yeah yeah so yeah yeah, it's a great quote um uh great quote which is better to be a pig than a fascist oh there we go perfect yeah Yeah. i love that yeah but he said it more like gruff tough guy yeah better to be a pig than a fascist i you know when i saw the picture never having heard his voice just again like going back to part of my expectations i was like oh his voice is going to be like cute and you know oh. and the movie started and i was like that's that's not a, i i like it but i was just totally not expecting that yeah um the this movie actually the voice acting is all really star-studded so something i really liked about disney doing the releases mm-hmm. the english releases of mm-hmm. these movies is that the dubbing is all really good yeah so can you i think it's michael keaton is actually yeah, it is michael keaton okay yeah, michael keaton is the voice so yeah. batman himself yeah uh og batman is the voice of porco rosso yes. and we have a few other people who are like pretty well known but i can't remember them off the top of my head um so he lands on this island that's just a restaurant this is a building you're like yep. oh what's going on and you see that there's like all these people who have like they're they have pilot suits on of that style yes of that era um but they have like skulls on them or whatever and they've got like scars and you're like okay these are clearly bad guys and they're like talking amongst themselves it's like the and biker gang of airplanes yeah absolutely and uh, they're all talking to each other. And then Porco comes in. They all shut up and like stare at him. And then there's a song sequence. And this this guy gets up who uh, had they kind of briefly talked about him. The uh, the biker gang, the air biker gang guys. Yeah, the air biker gang. We're talking to him, and uh, he's an American. Like, oh, you're gonna really trust an American? He's and- like, he's like, he's like america's american stereotypes distilled down into the purest american stereotype yeah he's um i think the basis of his character was both john wayne and ronald reagan that's amazing i i hope that's true because i mean we deserve to be made fun of just like anybody else oh absolutely we should probably should be made more fun of more often yeah Uh, and the reason why i say that he's like john wayne and um ronald reagan is that he uh, is like a big burly guy who's also who's like I'm gonna go on to be a movie star. Yeah, and then eventually the president of yeah. the United States. And I'm like, oh my god, this guy's fucking Ronald Reagan. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's, so it's it like was, a Back to the Future. Like you're gonna be mayor one day. A mayor? That sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so his name is Curtis, and he you know some people are like trying to get Porco Rosso's picture uh, while the music is like this. The song uh, beautiful the, woman is singing yeah. and it's like this italian song and um 
he like comes over, picks him up, puts him at an empty table and goes, shut up while the music is playing, essentially. <laughs> and I always really like that scene where it shows that he has like appreciation of music. He is kind hearted yeah. in some capacity, but is also gruff and selfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I really love the dynamics of these characters already getting established. Yeah, it shows it shows, you know, that he's courteous to mm-hmm. whoever is singing. Yeah. But still, yeah, willing to do something about it. It, it is great character development in that one little scene. You're absolutely yeah. right. And so the music uh, continues to play and Porco Rosso goes upstairs and uh, after the music plays, he goes upstairs to have dinner, which is kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, cause, well, there's, you know, and he says someone says the usual mm-hmm. and he says, you know, yeah, or whatever. So, yeah. So it establishes he's a regular there. Mm-hmm. He's also somewhat special because he gets his own private room. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he goes upstairs and the woman singing, like talks among some people and then comes and joins him. Uh, turns out her name, Gina she is the owner of this establishment and this like entire island. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the island is it is a safe haven for all the pilots. It's like the continental. I was about, for, I was about to pilots, say, yeah. yeah, it's a continental from John Wick. Yeah. But for pilots. But for pilots. Yeah. So the, the sea pirates and the bounty hunters can all come there and they should play nice. Or well, hollow ground from Highlander. Oh yeah. That's what, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so they're having a conversation and I, I can't really remember the importance of it, but it was kind of establishing the like Porco Rosso is both a character who is sad, who's lonely, but has made peace with like the life that he leads and kind of establishes that the the Gina is special to him from their past. Like they have like a flashback. They, they, have, to they have a relationship mm-hmm. of some sort. Yeah. So they said yeah. like they have a flashback of them as kids. She eventually married like two of the four people, like the four of their like friend group. Yeah. Because like one of them died at, at sea and the other one went to war and never came, and came back. back. So, yes. Yeah. So yeah. Assume, presumably that person's gone. Yeah. Um, And there's a picture that they have. And they're the only picture of Porco Rosso that remains before he was a pig. He wasn't always a pig. Right. Yes. And he scratched his face out. Yeah, so you so never you actually never know what he looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. And I, I can't remember if it's now or later that they have like the his explanation of when they... I think it's later. I think it's later. So, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, so uh, Curtis has kind of been hired by... The American has been hired by the Sea Pirates to take out Porco Rosso to protect them from Porco Rosso. And they're going after this big score for like this like major airliner so the, all the pirates are like working together and they're you know they leave from the island and go do this big score and they're fighting um they're you know some security guards that they had for the thing and they were able to easily take them out because they were like outgunned them yeah i mean when you have you know 45 pirates all working together yeah kind of the, the little defenses because yeah didn't the ship like launch its own planes yeah like, it was like defense? that was unheard of that they, they yeah. have like these compact planes that yeah. could take off yeah. yeah it's just so cool yeah it was that was really cool and then they like they take off and re- are quickly bested um something like curtis was being a little bit sneaky and like hiding in the sun in so the sun, yeah. yeah so he was flying right where they couldn't see him because if they looked up, all they'd see is the sun. Yeah. And he dive-bombed him. Yeah, and that's like actual like dog-fighting tactics. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so Porco Rosso is called again, and he arrives on the scene. I th- oh, no, I think they get away with it this time. For whatever reason, Porco Rosso was like, he didn't make it. 
Um, and so they call out Porco Rosso to like combat Curtis. And so they have a dogfight between the two of them. And uh, Porco loses essentially. Yeah, he and gets it's, shot it's down. It's mostly uh, engine problems. Right? Yeah, yeah. His because yeah. his oh, because something... that that happened at the at the very beginning, which you know kind of established that yeah, he's like you know he's surviving but barely. Mm-hmm. You know, his 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 engine is like his plane is unique in a certain way, but yeah. it also like be, it's faster and like can turn better than other planes. But because it's so like unique, it has engine problems. So he has a like, constant maintenance on yeah. it. And so that kind of flares up now where, yeah, yeah. you're right. They did yeah. a good job of establishing that there are mechanical problems with the engine of the plane. Yeah. They flare up now. And uh, Curtis is able to shoot down Porco Rosa's plane. Yes. And he thinks that he's dead. And he like. Yeah, Porco, he dragged his plane up the beach, right? And yeah. Because kind of you should be able to see like Porco Rosa's plane is bright red. Yeah. Like it's. I think Garish. I think you'd be able to see any plane. So yeah, 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 that's he, true. yeah he did about the right thing. Yeah. So he yeah. dragged it away so you can see it. And Curtis found like a souvenir. Yeah. Of, like a little piece thing. of wing. Right. Yeah. A little piece of the wing. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, Porco is uh, has to leave the Adriatic Sea in disgrace at this at this moment um, and get his plane repaired so that he can kind of get back into business. Um, at first, everyone thinks that he's dead. He calls Gina, lets her know that, you know, it's like, I'm. I got to go back to mainland Italy to get his plane, to get fixed. His plane fixed. Yep. Because there's only one person, the person who made his plane in the first place, he's the only one who can fix it. Yeah, because it's so special. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's like, oh no, if you go back to mainland Italy, you'll be executed, Arrest, arrested. arrested. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah, that tells you that he himself is an outlaw in some way. Yeah. Yep. So that, like, kind of what they established at this point kind of a little bit earlier is that if you're out in the Adriatic Sea, typically it's because you're running away from something mm-hmm. or maybe you're just from there originally, but tip like most of the people who live there are running away from mainland Italy right. for whatever reason. It turns out in his case, he's a deserter of the war. Yep. And so... Or deserter of the military, right? Deserter of the military, maybe yeah. not the war. Maybe the yeah. war finished and he's like, I'm out. And they're like, you're in for life, baby. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, yeah something, something like that. If he left the yeah. military, and if he ever comes back, he will be arrested. Yes, yeah, so he has to go back incognito mode. Yeah, so he makes his way into it. Is it Milan? I believe I, it's, it's Milan. Yeah. Yeah. So he makes his way back to Milan and meets up with this character, who oh crap, what's his name? Um, the mechanic. Yeah. Piccolo. Piccolo. Yeah. Piccolo mechanics, and um, they begin to have the first of a series of scenes that try to play off the like time era of the yeah yeah it establishes time era, establishes the, the time the, era but yeah. could have actually been left out for all intents and purposes because uh, yeah. the you meet piccolo's granddaughter who's a genius mechanic, mechanic yeah. but uh porco is like i don't want her to mess with my plane she's a woman is it she's a woman or she's a kid it's both actually oh, she's okay. a kid and a woman okay okay and then like when they start working on Porco's plane, Piccolo's like, God, forgive me because I have to hire women to do work. Oh, yeah, I do remember that part. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, gosh, <laughs> all right. I mean, like, I get it. You're establishing, like, the time era, yeah. but it was like, you did not. It could have easily been avoided. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so. And I, like, I know this is back in 1991. Yeah. From Japan. Not that, not to say that Japanese filmmakers are misogynistic or anything. It was just, I don't know what the era 
in Japan was like in 1991. So it could be that that was like a totally just normal thing to say. Yeah, I'm not sure. I really don't know. And so anyway, so you meet up with Piccolo, who's like this really funny looking character. He's yeah, got like he's... big Coke glasses, Coke yeah. bottle glasses. And his daughter, Theo, who looks a lot like Nasuka does. She's mm-hmm. kind of designed in the same way as Nasuka of the Valley of the Wind, the first like uh, heroine he ever drew. Understood. But she's got instead of, oh no, I think they both have red hair. Okay. Um, and so they start fixing Parko's plane, put in a new engine that's like even better, but again, also problematic yeah. because of course it is. Well, and I, I, one thing I specifically remember was, you know, he talked about how the plane was, you know, so it was so unique. It was like aerodynamically unstable, which is what made it such a good you yeah. know, fighter, but it needed a special pilot because of that. And Porco like sat in it and immediately did it. So yeah, exactly. You know. Like he's the best. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm getting some more podcast juice. Um, so Porco meets up with his old friend, uh, Marcus, uh, f- from the Air Force, and they have to meet incognito. They're like watching some like old timey like yeah in the cinema in the cinema yeah, yeah which is which I I love that trope in the old movies yeah, yeah. well because that actually kind of makes sense if you if somebody was like following you mm-hmm. I mean even nowadays right like if you both went to the same movie and just like sat close yeah you yeah. could easily talk to each other and yeah I I really liked that and so they I think Marcus sat right behind Porco and so they could talk to each other and yeah blah 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 anyway so. Uh, Marco, uh, it's Marco, not Marcus. Marco tells uh, Porco that he has to, I think, anyway. Uh, he, he tells him that the brown shirts know yeah. that he's there. Yeah, so the fascist, the fascist government that's taking over their secret yeah. service, essentially. Which, yeah, which is the brown shirts that, you know, where the brown coat from Firefly came from, the Mussolini's secret police. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's 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 the, that's the reference. The now I don't, shirts. yeah, now I don't know how I feel about the brown coats. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was clearly the, well, I mean, I think in the Firefly universe, I think you could justify that by saying that would probably be like a smear propaganda campaign by the Alliance. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. but. But yeah, that's 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 where yeah the brown shirts were the the secret police. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the oh. brown shirts know that Porco's there, and basically he's like, they're gonna arrest, try to arrest you when you leave, right? Mm-hmm. And then Porco's like, uh, I know, and I got a plan, yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, basically he's like, yeah. all right, well I'll get out of here anyway. And he's like, yeah. how? And he's like, I'm Porco, baby. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's too yeah. cool for school. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, they finish his plane and they're what they do there's secret plan is that they're going to take off from the canal in milan and use that as the runway since it's a float plane it can take off on water and so i thought i always thought that was really clever and so what, what they did was they had some of the older women oh and going back to piccolo's um workforce the reason why they have to use old women they're all relatives of piccolo because all of the men had to leave milan either for the war or Or for for work yeah for work yeah which was you know way more common back then yeah absolutely so but they had to leave all their relatives behind so he has all the italian grandmas making you know instead of making spaghetti they're making like airplane skins yeah yeah. which i think i love that scene of showing all the work and all the grandmas you know yeah absolutely and just how capable they are but like they're all working together but then they also like make food together and eat together and i i really really like that scene And then Parker's just sitting on his ass because, of course, he is. Well, I mean, he paid a whole bunch of money. That is true. It's like, I don't, you know, if I hire somebody to come over and, like, do, like, some, you know, yard work, I'm, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't trying to disparage Parker. I just love that, like, all these people are working and then, like, our main character is not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. But, of course, he wouldn't. He's, like, customer, right? Yeah. Um, So, the, uh, one of the older ones, like, 
oh no, he's got a gun. He's like taking us hostage. Like we're not guilty of helping him at all. He's like trying to hurt us. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, oh no, we're totally innocent. Wink. Yeah. Um, they, so he has to take off from the canal, but because the, the engine they're using is so un, unusual, yeah. he has to take Fio with Yeah, him. Yeah, uh, she wants to go with him and yeah, know, yeah. He, he, he doesn't want her to, but then, you know, because yeah, it, it had never been flown before. Like, yeah. So it, no, it had been flown once and it was in a race. And the only reason why that engine didn't win was because the pilot Oh, wasn't able to like handle the right. engine. The so engine had been flown, but yeah, not in Porco's plane. Yeah, yeah you're right. absolutely. Yep, and yep. so she was like, "We because we had to rush this. We don't know if it's going to work properly, and I will not sign off my work without verifying it being done properly." I'm yeah. like, "What a good engineer she is!" It's like uh, it's like that uh, Chevy S10 with a Corvette engine that I found on Craigslist that I still regret not buying. Mm-hmm. If you listed that, can you please relist it and send me an email? Uh, I'll buy it this time. But yeah, he basically is flying an S10 with a Corvette engine. Yeah, basically. Which is awesome. Yeah, uh, I guess it is. I don't know anything about cars. Anyway, so um, they find he finally uh, acquiesces and takes her with him. And so they they manage to get out. Like they there's this really cool scene where they're like flying and like all the water in the canal is like shooting, shooting up, up and out. out. Yeah, because yeah. where's it gonna go? Yeah, like, absolutely. So and like cool. people are walking across the bridge and they're like, oh crap, like yeah. what the fuck? And yeah. like the brown coats are shooting their guns, but they're like at the point where they're essentially slightly better than a musket. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, when they talk about that, you know, in World War One with the biplanes, it's like they were just flying around like shooting like pistols at each other, or, like trying to drop grenades on one another. Yeah, and yeah. so like when I first saw that, I was like, that's stupid. And then I was like, well, actually, I guess that was probably like pretty modern for anti-aircraft you just like shoot your pistol at it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's all you had yeah um which that actually comes comes to pass later or yeah it, d- it later. does it does come up later yeah. Yeah, yeah and so they finally take off and um they they they're in the sky and they see a plane that's kind of similar to porco's plane and it's marco yep and uh he uh he's like oh hey follow me they've got a blockade of airplanes up above up ahead to get around this, like, follow me. And so his buddy, like, yeah. does the one thing that he probably shouldn't have done. It doesn't ever come up to hurt him, I suppose. I don't, yeah, I wouldn't But he so. was like, he showed his loyalty to his friend, then his government at yeah. that moment. And yes. I was like, yeah, great. Because he's still an Air, Air Force captain. Yeah. Or even higher than that, I think, uh, something. Um, but he's still in the Air Force and yeah. he's still loyal to the, his government. And But he's like, I'm going to help my friend out one last time. Yeah. Right? And so they, he gets him out of Milan and back to the Adriatic Sea. Yeah, at least, you know, it's that thing where it's like, uh, you know, you'll see it in movies where, you know, an FBI agent's like, I'll let you get out of the jurisdiction, right? You know, mm-hmm. or the end of the Fast and the Furious. You know, just you yeah. let him go. You let him go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they get back to the Adriatic Sea. And what they found is that it's been probably a couple of months at this point or more. Um, and they've found that the fascist government has like decided to forgive the crimes of the sea pirates yep. if they agree to help them out during the coup, yes. essentially. And so Which is a pretty authoritarian technique, right? You find a rebel group mm-hmm. and you convince them that like you won't be a rebel group when we're in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so basically there's no work for Porco anymore in the Adriatic Sea. There's no bad guys anymore. They're trying to end the like war between the bounty hunters and the the sea pirates. And so he's going back to a totally different world, essentially, even though it's only been a few months. Um, he gets back to his secret base and suddenly like his 
tent is there. Like he sleeps in a tent, and suddenly all of these uh, sea pirates burst out of his tent like yeah. it was a clown car. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I yeah. just love that. I'm like, what? how are you all in there? And yeah. they go like, they swarm him, and everyone's got like guns and knives, and they're like all yeah. pointing at Porcaroso like it's the. Uh, the poster from John Wick 2. Yes, yes. Yeah, with all guns pointing at Yeah, because the only thing worse than having like four pistols pointed at your skull at point blank range is like 75 pistols. And one guy had like a bazooka. Yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> I, because I, I remember that. Like, that was like the funniest thing to me. Yeah, and like one guy I think was like holding up a grenade. Yeah. Like, oh, you want everyone to die. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like that kind of shows how like ragtag uh, the sea pirates are because yeah. they'll just use whatever they have yeah. available. And it, and it I, to me, it showed that they had a can-do attitude, but maybe not like the 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 sharpest tool in the box. Yeah, absolutely. So I I I mean, uh, they were clearly comic relief, and not even that bad. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, that showed, and it was great. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I love that they show off in, and this is kind of when they they drive this scene home, is the sea pirates aren't bad people. Right. They are. They have a code of conduct and a code of honor mm-hmm. and they abide by it and they kind of actually show off they have more of a friendly rivalry with porco rosso yes yeah i mean it's still a violent rivalry sure but it's not they don't hate him necessarily right they're all they're just different sides of the same coin yes. sort of thing and so they respect that it's yeah. like honor among thieves right? yes and uh so what happens curtis shows up because he like his contract with them had past he was no longer under contract with the sea pirates but he shows up anyway to challenge porco and uh fio or he asks fio's hand fio is the granddaughter i forgot we had an established name fio he asks curtis asks for fio's hand in marriage she decides that to like get porco's like head back in the game that he needs to defeat curtis so she says i'll accept on like the condition that either like I can't remember what the win condition is anymore. I So only because I'm looking at it here. If Porco won, then Curtis would have to pay off Porco's debt to... Oh, Piccolo. that's right. That's the other part, reason yeah. why Theo came with him was yeah. that he... He, it, owed, he hadn't paid for it yet. Yeah, he yeah. paid a lot of money. Yeah. But it ended up being short. Yeah. And so he went into debt to uh, Piccolo. And so Curtis would pay off the debt. If Curtis won... Uh, Curtis would marry... Curtis would marry Theo. Yep. Get her a hand in marriage. And this is, again, one of the, another uh, moment in this movie where they do the whole, like, treating women, but they didn't they didn't have to add it at all. Treating women poorly, but didn't have to add it at all. Where she goes, I, I know I'm just a stupid woman, but blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you're clearly competent at what you do. Like, I, why did you, like, come on, Miyazaki, why'd you do this? Yeah. Like, so and I was like, all right, uh, okay. I know you're trying to paint the picture. It's the 1920s, and I guess that's maybe the perception of how women were treated back then. But come on, right? Yeah. So anyway, they agree, and the sea pirates agree to help out. They are going to set up the contest, and then they're going to pay people to come and attend it, and they're going to make their money that way. Yeah, yeah, they're going to make their money off the spectacle. Yeah, absolutely. Which is also, you know, a super like 1800s, 1900s thing. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because like, what else you have to do? Yeah, you're you're not going to see Netflix. Yeah, exactly. If only they had Netflix. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So people, they're like, all right, we're going to like show up, like advertise this as like a boxing match. Is kind of what it looks. That's basically what it is. Yeah, that's a perfect description. Yeah, exactly. And so they all agree, um, and. 
the next scene is essentially the climax of the movie. It's well, this. They, yeah, yeah. And before that, you'll you're probably get into this. That's when he tells the story about his yes. unit. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So you're right. I forgot. So uh, right before the big bout, um, Porco is like checking his bullets that he had bought earlier in the like. Uh, there was like he this first l- bought it when he got to Milan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. the guy, he's like, ah, oh, they sold me these cheap, rusted, uh, you know, war munitions instead of the new ones like god damn it so he's like checking to see if they're rusted because if they're rusted anywhere and he shoots it it's going to blow It'll up break it's... the chain probably. yeah yeah exactly yeah and like you can't reload in mid-flight yeah yeah absolutely so yeah. he's like I, I thought that was like a neat thing that he added where he like put everything in order and he he feels like i can't sleep tell me a story and so he tells her the story of basically how he became a pig and there's a part here that, that's missing and I'll, I'll add it um but he was a fighter in World War One. Yep. And he was like, you know, one of the fighting aces, or flying aces. Like he was like a dogfight specialist. Yes. And so he was out with his platoon who were like all of his best friends and they were fighting and um, he got like sun blinded or something. Like he just, he was like thought that he'd gotten shot down. Um, there was just, it was just the chaos of war and he sees himself come up over like a a bed of clouds and he was like passed out at this point like he'd been hit or something yeah and he had passed out and woken up and he was like just above this cloud line his his plane was still flying somehow oh it's still it'd still fly it would yeah yeah um but he drifted up above these cloud lines and he sees this like silver river going Mm -hmm. up into the sky and he he sees it and i'm I'm getting goosebumps telling this i love this part yeah and he's like what is this weird thing and he sees that it's all these different planes Mm -hmm. flying up in the sky but they've all they're all blown to shit yeah they've got like holes in them like all these things and he's like Like that life expectancy of like a world war one pilot was like 27 days or something insane right yeah absolutely and so it's like all these people were just like they're those were the glorious dead of the war right and they were all going up to their final reward and then he sees his buddies like some of his buddies who from the picture from the picture yeah and they were just like floating up into the sky and he's like no wait come back like take me like it you've got gina waiting for you like i should go in your place and he just watches all of the people that he's ever known who like his best friends fly up into the sky and he drops back down and comes back to life yeah essentially so he had a near-death experience and it crushed his soul he like he was a happy-go-lucky character before that. They kind of established that in the the picture, the right? picture and scene, the, yeah, and, and the like the, the memory. Talking, and he's yeah. like, he was excited by flying, and at that point, he kind of wasn't. Yeah, he was like broken. Sure. And so something that they don't really tell you about too much, uh, you have to kind of dig for this information, which is regrettable, is that he turned himself into a pig. Hmm. He cursed himself. Which is a very like kind of I suppose a Japanese storytelling sort of thing. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But he was so destroyed by the fact that he lived. Oh, survivor's guilt. Yeah, he had survivor's guilt. Okay, sure. And he hated himself so much for living when everybody else died that he turned himself into a pig because he thought he was no better than an animal. Now, where, now, where did you find this? Because like, especially right now. Going back to uh, dating this episode, mm-hmm. you know, J.K. Rowling was on Twitter. Oh my god! And yeah, so yeah. you know that actually brought up part. J.K. Of- Rowling uh, tells you that you, the audience, were gay all along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like you know, all this stuff is totally fine if you told it like in the story. 
So like, where did you find this? I believe it's I believe one, it. Yeah, I believe it's one of the missing scenes. And he oh, like, and he okay. had like gone, and that was like the story that he wanted to tell. Sure. And it's like just it's just missing a little bit. Sure, sure. And, and maybe that's um, on purpose. It know? might be. Yeah. And so it's like kind of the mystery of it. Yeah. But I think in like an interview, he says like that was my intention all along. Sure. And I think that you, there are like scenes you can see like the storyboard and they talk about that okay sure yeah and so it just it was a small little detail that they didn't add yeah and it's it's that's the the thing he is a pig because he believes he's an animal okay i gotcha and that that does make sense kind of what you had mentioned you know possible links to like japanese culture yeah and things like that yeah absolutely where like yeah so my understanding of like japanese storytelling or like japanese mythology is that the boundary between humanity and object and mm-hmm. animal can be crossed oh sure yeah so that makes sense and this is like there is that aspect um when something like big happens something can cross a boundary is it is it like things like maybe the thought like you know the only thing that separates us from animals is our humanity so if you don't act with humanity then kind of yeah, yeah. It's sort of like that yeah um in this case like you know how there's this the myth of the goldfish and if it jumps over the shrine the certain shrine it turns into a dragon i did not know that but i believe that oh yeah so there's that. yeah um that's that's you know that goldfish has or a koi has crossed that boundary and by crossing that boundary it can now transcend oh sure that's awesome yeah absolutely like a lot of japanese storytelling happens at the boundaries Mm. of their mythology happens at the boundaries of things like a lot of times they're they're creatures that are like they exist somewhere between the river and the earth Mm -hmm. right so like the ground between them or like this or the beach like a lot of their like yokai the monsters oh, exist on the that, beach it's because, a natural transition point yeah exactly uh, yeah that's yeah. cool sure. yeah so it's yeah, like yeah. This, yeah so in this case um it's porco, porco drinking porco mai tais on the beach yeah absolutely yeah. that's totally what happened no. yeah he had like he had crossed this boundary into unlife sure and changed himself coming back okay yeah no that makes sense yeah we, we can talk about we can talk about that more later during like the opinions of it because yeah. i did not know that oh uh, yeah and i wonder if that'll change your opinion or yeah. maybe not I, I don't know so um he tells a story and then now it's the time of the big fight. And yeah. The uh, the pirates, the Mama Ayuda gang is uh, the main like the main yeah, that, that, bad Those guys. are the guys we saw in the beginning that kidnapped the school children. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What's what's do you know what Mama? Ayuda I used means? to know um, um, Ayuda means something. And I actually cosplayed as the Ma- Mama Ayuda gang boss. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's just so funny, and I love him so much. They should have a uh, a crossover with Mad Max Two, where Lord Humongous is yeah, the yeah. boss. That's, yeah, I would watch that. Mama Ayuda. Okay. Yeah, and that's the character's name. And like, I believe Ayuda means like brothers or something. It's a oh, that that makes sense. Yeah, or something like that. I can't yeah. remember. The um, original motorcycle gang. Yeah. Uh, it was like it's kind of a pun, the Mama Ayuda gang. Oh, I think that was it. Ayuda means boys, and so they're the mama's boys. Oh, I think was it. and well, especially yeah, that makes sense. And when you think about, you don't see it so much anymore. But like the one where it's like the biker tattoo. Yeah, it's like mom. I love mom. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I yeah, that makes I, that makes sense. Yeah, because they're like they're bad guys, but yeah. they're also they got a heart of gold. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're also kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that 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 makes total sense. Yep, I so like it. We'll go with that. Mama Ayuda gang, the boss. And they're all in like their Sunday best. Like he's wearing like a seersucker suit. Yeah. Uh, with like a, a flower. And like he, I was just, I love that design so much. He's yeah. so great. And uh, he's acting as like the MC of the event. Um, 
And so they have like, they do the, here's the stakes. Like Theo will marry Curtis and Curtis will pay off. And Curtis has all the money. Yeah. And that's necessary. like, that's like a, the, in a boxing match, like the, that's like what the, the announcer does, right? Where he talks about what it's for. And yeah, yeah. These are the tail of the tape. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, your example of a boxing match is probably perfect. Yep. And then I think this is where Curtis gets up and he like says like, Theo, I love you. Like come back. Like I'm going to become a famous movie star. And, yeah. Or no, uh, there, I'm sorry. There was a scene where after Porco had left, when Porco, when everyone thought Porco had died, where Curtis had visited Gina on her island. Oh, yeah, he tried to, her, yeah. Yeah, as for her hand in marriage, and she totally disses Americans. Sorry, this is a scene missed. But, yeah, rewind. Um, yeah, rewind. Um, and he's like, I'm going to become a movie star and the president of the United States. And she like laughs and she's like, I'm sure you're going to do it. You know, in the United States, I know, you know, men can fall in love with the women on the uh, drop of a dime. Yes. But out here in the Adriatic Sea, it takes people more time. But what you get in return is better quality. Which is also like totally, you know, the American attitude versus the European, even yep. today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a total dig on Americans. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, yeah, damn, yeah. that was perfect. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we need, we need to be made fun of more often just so we don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that was a great scene, kind of establishing his character, but also, you know, showing off a, he's kind of a womanizer, like a player a little bit. So he like, he asked for her hand in marriage and now she's asking for Theo's hand in marriage. Um, you know, kudos to Curtis, Curtis for not exactly having a type. He doesn't discriminate by age. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I guess, I guess that is true. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, who, like whoever I find to be beautiful and worthy, like, yeah, you're, I'll marry you. Whatever. Well, and you know, yeah, the American playboy you know howard hughes or mm -hmm. um uh, great gatsby kind of deal yeah you know just yeah just a playboy he, he must be also based on howard hughes a bit because he's I, got like the I, howard I hughes mustache yeah i i i think a little bit of howard hughes mm -hmm. you know based on the yeah, the airplane yeah so maybe yeah. less john wayne and ronald reagan more like ronald reagan and howard hughes maybe. yeah uh, anyway that makes more sense um so they're at the bout and he's like he's like Phew, I love you forever like i got a texas accent yes, <laughs> i love yeah, my yeah. mommy yeah. like i love my mama <laughs> And I love God or whatever yeah. he says or something like that. He's yeah. got a total just like Texas accent. It's so great. Yeah, because, well, you know, again, like that stereotypical American. It, and well, actually, so interestingly, you know, a lot of the spaghetti Westerns were called that because they were like funded by Italians. And right? they were filmed in Italy. Yeah. 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 And so like because like the, the Italians like really loved uh, Wild West. Yeah, the yeah. Wild West. So, you know, if if you're a Japanese guy making a movie set in Italy, you know, why wouldn't there be an American there? Yeah, and why wouldn't that American be like you probably were right about the John Wayne? Yeah, because because why wouldn't that character be that John Wayne from the Spaghetti Westerns? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. a very good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you see like that DNA of all these different Americans kind of melded into yeah. Curtis, and that that's actually really interesting. I didn't yeah. think about that. Um, so they have their their dog fight. They they take off and they're like fighting with each other, Curtis and Porco. And it's a very like cool scene because you it see is. like them like fighting around each other, flying and trying to get like the upper hand on each other. And for a while, Curtis has got the upper hand on Porco. Like he's able to like shoot at like the proper angles to yeah. try and hit him. But Porco's like one step ahead. Well, and it's like uh, you know, dog dog fighting is kind of like racing with guns, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it's all about like angles and movement and position and position and yeah, you know. But but you also have guns. Yeah, but you also have guns. And yeah. then at one point, um. Porco's about to fire on Curtis and like take him out and his gun jams. Yeah. And then Curtis is about to fire on Porco and he gets like the position and he's run out of bullets because yeah. he spent so much of the first part of it shooting. Super American. Yeah, super American. Yeah. So he's like blown his load yeah. and he's got nothing left. 
And so they start doing the thing that you were talking about where they're fighting each other with like pistols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like shooting at each other with pistols. And then um, like Parko's like they both run out of like Curtis runs out of bullets first again. Yeah. And Porco makes fun of him and he throws his pistol at him and like hits Porco the, the, with the, the pistol. The Superman yeah. run out of bullets, throw <laughs> my pistol move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like dunk hits yeah. him and they just start throwing things at each other. Yeah. It's like so funny. It was like total cartoon, like dunk, 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 ding, yeah. bang. Like basically everything but the kitchen sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they land. They they land and then they just start boxing in the water. It, it fisticuffs. Yeah, fisticuffs. If, if we're going to be in the 1920s. Yeah, yeah it's fisticuffs. fisticuffs. They start fisticuffing and uh, <laughs> they start doing rounds. Yeah. So like ding, ding, yeah. like actual <laughs> boxing, like the whole thing. And um, at one point, Curtis like hits uh, Porco and they're like talking while they're fighting. Yes. And uh, Curtis is like, you you bastard, you got the love of everyone, like all the women around here, like save some for the rest of us. And Parko's like, what are you talking about? No one loves me. Yeah. And he's like, you've got someone waiting for you on this, the island. And like, that's when like Porco's like, wait, what? Yeah. And realizes that Gina loves Porco. Yes. And she's actually probably always loved Porco first, but yeah. Porco could never love himself. Right. And that was like when he's like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and he gets knocked out, but the bell rings right as he's like falling over. And so they're like, wait, well, come on. And he's like, nope, he's he's good. And so they like go out and do it again. He's like, what are you talking about? And they're still fighting. And then Gina comes and saves the day because there's a scene where she gets a call from the mainland, from Marco, uh, Porco's friend from earlier, who says that the uh, fascists have taken over yes. and they're coming to clean up the Adriatic Yeah, scene. so yeah, they're coming they, and they know that they're all in one Yeah, they're, they know they're all, they know you're all there. So yeah. you've got to get out of there. Yeah. So she comes and she's like, they're coming. Like, let's go. Uh, and so like everyone's like scattering they're like oh crap let's get out of here and he's like someone's got to leave him away and Curtis is like I'll go with you um, so they kind of like reconcile a little bit they're like you actually are my brother like, yeah, so yeah, yeah 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 they, they, you know there's got to be especially you know among kind of I would imagine among sailors where you know you're you're both still you know even if you're on different sides you're both still subject to the sea and yeah, all, the, yeah. all the inherent dangers within right right yeah. Similar so thing among yeah. pilots yeah exactly yeah. you're like bounded together by blood yeah you may not like each other but you're like bounded together and so um they they those two decide to like lead off the air force and then right as they're leaving fio gives porco a kiss which is supposed to be like the you know the, the prince, princess princess and the frog yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of kiss yeah and it's implied that in that instant, Porco turned back into a human. Or yeah, very Beauty and the Beast kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she gets a kiss and turns back into a human. It's implied. It's implied. Because uh, Curtis is just like, wait, let me see your face. Like, yeah. what what happened? Like, you're, and they they take off, and that's this is the end of the movie. That's they, it. Yeah, they take yep. off, and you hear like from you see uh, from Gina, they're like, you know, it's been. 50 years, like 50 years later, so, mm -hmm. or something, some amount of time, maybe 30 years later. And uh, there's like peace in the Ajax Sea. Mm -hmm. World War II had come and gone. And, or, so, uh, yeah, like I said, some amount of time. Yeah, some amount by. of time, yeah. And the, you see like the old uh, seaplane pilots are sitting in her restaurant, yep. like laughing about, like laughing as old men, like reminiscing yeah. on the good old days. And now, you know, everyone is, you know, there's no more pirates. There's no more pirates. There's no more fascists. And yeah. now they're all just telling the stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like um, Curtis did exactly what he said. Yep. He became a uh, a movie star and eventually the president. Yep. But he always sends letters to Gina. Yeah. And 
uh, Theo became the president of the Piccolo Aeronautics Corporation, which became like basically the Italian Howard Hughes. Yeah. And so she like comes and visits Gina every summer. She yep. summers in the Adriatic Sea. Yeah. That, well, especially if you own a company like that, because it's like, I don't have to pay for airfare. I'll just yeah, fly yeah, myself yeah, to, absolutely. to the island. But it was cool to see like as her her arc is that she became a successful business person and engineer. Yeah. She, she it's, you know, it's implied she did exactly what she wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. And then as for Porco, well, no one ever saw that pig again. Mm-hmm. And the end, that's yeah. it. And so yep. you, they leave it on this, on a note where like you either, either Porco died fighting off the air force or he came back as a human. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, we're going to take a quick break. Quick break. And then we'll come back for our first impressions yeah, and first a second screening. Yes, that's it. And we're back. So now it's time for our initial impressions. But really quickly, something we looked up during the break was what Ayudo actually meant. And so it doesn't mean mama's boys. It actually means help. Yeah, mama help. Mama help. So it's help me mama. Help. Like, yeah, and so it that is even funnier of a name than like, you know, mama's boys because yeah. it shows how useless they are. Well, it, it, it gives you both mama's boys and, a, you know, a, a self-insult yeah, in, this, yeah. in, the same, in the same sentence. Which makes me love them just even more. That's so great. Yeah, they're so, yeah, lovable is the perfect word. Because, yeah. you know, like the pirates, you know, but they're yeah. lovable pirates. Unlike to, fascists. Yeah, unlike fascists. To yeah. go back to like the Tailspin thing, it's like the, the sea pirates in Tailspin were nefarious, right? Yeah. But they were lovable in the same way so yeah. they're 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 those kind of bad guys i remember liking the wolf a lot yeah me too yeah uh oh canard i think was his name that sounds right yeah yeah, yeah. interesting all right so matthew give me your first impression yeah so Rosso. yeah uh first impression you know what i had mentioned earlier i didn't know what to expect mm -hmm. um because the only miyazaki films that i saw were you know the, that that more fantasy-ish and i learned um I'm not a huge fan. I, I like animated films. Mostly it's when like the face, I, I like animated films and animes when they're drawn just like regular people. Yeah. So like, you know, Ghost in the Shell, like when they're shocked, you know, it's just regular people, right? Their mm -hmm. faces don't change and their eyes don't get like comically Super large. Huge. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, they and don't I, do I don't, the uh, strong bad like, you gotta have blue hair. Yeah. Your mouth is ridiculous. Like, small, tiny when tiny when closed and ridiculously huge when open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, actually, I guess Miyazaki's other films don't have that, do they? No, no. He, yeah. So something I really like about Miyazaki is that he tries to create fantastical elements in real settings. Like, okay. He tries to like make things realistic. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. So yeah. something uh, that if. If you like this movie, mm -hmm. which you do, and I, sorry, I won't interrupt uh, your your no, review that's, again. That's what we're here for. But uh, if you like this movie, I highly recommend *The Wind Rises*. Okay, uh, it's a fictional biography of the man who created the Miyazaki Zero. Okay, which is the plane that Japan had <gasps> oh, in World War Two. This oh okay sure. yeah. So something that's really cool about that, like one, like I said, it's fictional. Like it doesn't actually even like I looked up some of the elements of oh, this person's sure. life. It doesn't even remotely follow this person's life sure. um but it's a beautiful movie right. very similar in style to porco rosso except uh kind of talking about the the trials that japan followed world war one into, into right. world war and leading into world war two sure um but 
all of the sound effects of the movie have human voices in them. So when a plane is taking off, it has like a mechanical sound to it, like the, the you know, how you expect the like rotors. The, the, ro the rotors. Yeah. But there's also, you can hear, if you pay attention, there's humans going, so there's this like human element to all the things that he's doing. It's like the guy from Police Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, but you don't really hear until like you listen for it. Now, that was something I picked up on. That's something Miyazaki started playing around with. Was like how to inject this like almost spiritual element to the the things that he's doing. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So okay, I highly recommend that one. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, please. Yeah. So you didn't know what to expect. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, and and watching it, you know. So I I get I loved it the first time. Oh, I'm glad. I, I did. Okay. I did. Uh, I loved it the first time. And, um, you know, the things that I liked were I liked that animation style I was alluding to. Mm -hmm. it, it, when the thing that you one thing I liked about this was that they didn't explain everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, of course, I wanted to know, just like everybody, like, why is this guy a pig? <laughs> yeah, no one why does no pig. one acknowledge it? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they kind of play off of it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they play off it a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, like, I'm going to get your bacon or something. Oh, yeah, like that's that. true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So, well, and that's what's so, you know, cool is, is you're just like dropped into this world where everybody knows he's a pig and just accepts it and, you know, yeah, yeah. doesn't, it's not really even a thing. So I'm glad that scene wasn't in there, the scene that you had mentioned, because mm -hmm. that was one thing I liked about it. I'd be curious if other people maybe didn't like that, because I could see how some people might feel unfulfilled. Yeah, yeah. If, you know, that that's not explained. But but that's what I liked about it is, you know, this movie, it was a very mature movie. And I guess yes. that's what I was at the very beginning was, you know, I mean, his other movies are mature movies as well, but the yeah. more fantastical element, you know, whereas this, it's like, you know, yeah, there's a anthropomorphic pig, but I mean, it's a pretty serious movie. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's got the comic comic relief pirates, but mm -hmm. you know, it's real things. But I, I absolutely loved it, and even yeah, I love how it explained stuff, you know, in ways uh, instead of just exposition. It was right. Yeah, it show me. Where... They actually do a good job of show me rather than tell me. Yes, yeah, they which do, which is so awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. So Miyazaki, going going back to what you're saying, like the Miyazaki films have a lot of mature elements to them but you're right like a lot of them are a bit more like comical or more you know kind of kiddie a fantastical little bit fantastical fantastical yeah. yeah and i can see why you might not like that but i mean if you think back to like totoro and mm -hmm. i'm not trying to change your mind on these movies but sure. looking back to totoro it is like this fantastical realm where you there they meet essentially a forest god right who can't talk to him but he's like i'm i'm a childish forest god uh, but their mother is suffering from tuberculosis. Yeah. Right. Well, and I remember there's some pretty heavy stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he kind of does that a lot where yeah. he's like, here's a fun kitty sort of thing. Like anime is for kids, right? right. No way. Here's right, tuberculosis. Right. Bam. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? Which I know, you know, I know kind of what the animation style was from the 80s. You know, yeah. it was all way more serious before it got into the kind of the stereotypical, yes, you know, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah the, like Ghost in the Shell is an 80s yeah. anime or like maybe early 90s anime. Yeah, I think yeah. it was yeah, 80s or 90s. Because, uh, yeah. well, I guess Akira would be like late 80s, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, and, and at that point, it's just, you know, it's like computer graphics where it's like, I just want to use this as another tool instead of, making avatar yeah yeah you know? absolutely and so he's just using the art form in a different way yeah and that's something i've always really liked about uh miyazaki so uh i actually can't remember my initial impression but i i clearly always loved it yeah um, this is your like the fountain my fountain yeah, yeah exactly and i i just love this movie so much but i i actually think if i go back i don't think that i loved this movie as much the first time i saw it mm -hmm. i think i liked it well enough the first time but it was i i think I, it was like a 
I wasn't ready to hear the gospel sure. sort of thing. Like yeah. I wasn't in the right place, right time. And so I went back and rewatched. I'm like, I remember liking that. Like it seemed like a lighthearted movie. I'll watch it again. Now, watch when, it again. When was then, the rewatch? I it this must have been back when I lived in Capitol Hill. Okay, so, so this was like 2008 to 2011. Okay, okay, so, so yeah, so what, a while what, back. What was the difference between when you like year wise? I think guess. it might have been like maybe two, three years. So you watched initial it. impression and then rewatch. Yeah, oh, in a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. Um, I was and just then curious after if the that, first time you watched it, if you were like five. No, no, okay. no, no. Yeah, it was like way later. Okay. Um, and so it was still like this time frame is like I'm in my twenties. I'm mm-hmm. now in my thirties. Um, but at, after that second watch, like watching, mm-hmm. it was like, this is it. This is my aesthetic. Like I fucking love this. It is your jam. It is it absolutely my jam. And yeah. I just like fell in love with this. Like everything about it. And it was well, like off to the race. Because I know you like, you know, as you'd mentioned, you like the aesthetics and mm-hmm. I, I, I like the setting. It, I like like I like things that are set on the water, but I also like these float planes. Yeah, I like that. You seem to like the mechanical power. Too. I like the mechanical power as well, where like the people like the problems they ran into were realistic and could also be solved by people who were just diligent and skilled enough to fix it. Right. Like he had machine. He had problems with his machine, but it wasn't like, you know, it kind of. I hate to sound like an old fogey, but like part of my problem is like if I have a problem with my car right now, I can't fix it. It's a computer. Right, right, right. right. It's mostly a computer with some like mechanical elements, but I can't like, you know, you can't go and like tune your car anymore because like, well, what does tuning your car mean? Like for now, like just go. You get access to the source source code. code, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get access to my source code because apparently that's copyright infringement. Oh, yeah. that That's how that law works. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you if you ever access the source code for your car, you're technically breaking copyright law right. because the automotive industry has made it like has totally bastardized copyright law. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm clearly not in favor of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as a person who runs Linux on all of his things, I like having root access to the things that I own and the fact that I I could do that to my car, yeah. but I could not funk on my car if it ever breaks down i couldn't go and get it repaired right because the mechanic would see that i'd like flip the bit to access it yeah yeah yeah. that's interesting yeah no No, Uh, and that that makes total sense yeah exactly and so but yeah like at the very beginning like the problem with his plane like he's like you know doing like pumping it you know like i i do like that like as a storyteller that's kind of nice too because you have access to your you know do sex machina right mm-hmm. whenever you want but it totally makes sense yeah for absolutely. that exact reason right? yeah it's, it's not like a modern horror movies where they have to explain a scene why no one has their cell phones anymore oh the the scene of everyone okay all right all right listen up oh, everyone man, this is gonna be out. scene 32 we're gonna need all of you to uh hold up your cell phone look at it like uh, you have no idea what's going on and then one person just say i don't have any service and then everybody else also say that you don't have any service don't worry, we got to get this out of the way so that the audience goes, why didn't they just call for help? Yeah, absolutely. You have to have that scene yeah, in your horror movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so in this one, they kind of do that, but they establish that at any moment his plane could break, right? Yeah. And they, they control that. And that's, I think, far better where they establish the mechanism of the of the movie. And that's something that um, I am actually very big about is like if a movie establishes its rules, it better play by them. Yeah. And if it doesn't play by those rules, what are you even doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's think, like the Chekhov's engine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was a there was a movie that I saw that I got mad at, and I can't. I remember yelling at Sean about what was that movie again? Was it? Uh, it was either Mad Mad. No, you love Fury Road. It must have been Blade Runner. Was it Blade Runner? Uh, 
it I, that might have been Blade Runner. There was a movie that I saw though where they just decided to like stop playing by the rules. And I, you know, great example, Nick. Is it the exam- Duke? He likes the Duke too. Oh God, I love the Duke. Oh, oh, man, one, possibly the best film we reviewed. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, I can't remember anyway. Yeah. So like, yeah, if a movie ever establishes its rules and like doesn't play by them. Uh, I I absolutely just cannot stand that. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah, and and, and a lot of movies can be ridiculous. Right? Yeah, yeah, like movies the Matrix. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah like, like the Matrix. Yeah, it's like it's like hey, we you know this is our rules. We've explained why, and you got to play by them. That's actually a perfect example. Where if you go look at, uh, I was talking to Sheila recently about the. She's only seen Matrix one. No, oh, wow. Yeah, she hasn't seen two or three. And mm-hmm. I was explaining how they're in two. There's a scene where Neo is able to use his Neo powers outside of the Matrix. And that either establishes that they're the the real world is just another layer of the matrix, right. or they just totally threw out all the rules, and so none of this matters anymore. Yeah, it's like now I want... you've got God in the real world. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's. I think I would think they would say they're going for the latter, right? Because there's kind of some Jesus overtones. Yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah, I don't like that. It's yeah, cool, especially because yeah. you know the you know it's not exactly hard sci-fi, but it is sci-fi-ish. I mean. interestingly enough you know as we get more and more into vr your snow crashes are coming more true your neuromancers and even like to some element the matrix right yeah so it wasn't you know hardcore sci-fi but it was like sci-fi ish and then as soon as it was like oh he's jesus okay well now now it's now it's fantasy and i don't mean fantasy like edgy edgy fantasy yeah i mean like fictional fantasy and in fictional fantasy you always have a way out right and you always need it yeah yeah exactly yeah so it's like oh cool magic exists so yeah. all right none of this matters anymore yeah. great okay well in porco rosa they could have done that right mm-hmm. in terms of it's like oh magic i mean it would, he's clearly magic yeah he's, clearly there's some magic going on but yeah. it's like never explained and that just you know yeah i mean i you know maybe you could draw some undertones to you know some, someone's machine gun jamming at just the right time you know or that's just serendipitous but but yeah it's you know magic you know for for being such an important part of the story it's also kind of not important and i don't, I think it's kind of cool for instance like gravity right yeah and i don't mean the movie gravity i mean like actual gravity oh, okay so I, like in I a movie yeah. like there's like you know gravity matters right mm-hmm. it's like somebody drops a cell phone and it breaks because of gravity and yeah. it's like gravity is important to the story but it's not the story and right. i like that porco rosa did that with magic that's such a good point yeah because yeah. like yeah clearly magic exists but like people just kind of shrugged it off at some point they're like yeah, yeah this person is clearly a pig yeah it's like and he's a pig now yeah this Hashtag. is a, yeah this is the yeah. world we live in yeah yeah there are weirder things in the world fascists are taking over italy cough 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 um and so yeah no that's an excellent point where they're like yeah okay and you're right they could have done way more with it and it was only a storytelling element so much so that it represented his Mm self-hatred and also his redemption yeah and yeah absolutely yeah 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 what an interesting way of doing that yeah almost kind of almost kind of cheating a little bit too though it's like oh miyazaki you (laughs) you bastard you just did it with a visual element (laughs) yeah you're actually you're right but i like that He, he tied it in yeah um so something i really like about miyazaki is that um he doesn't treat anime as like this glorified thing. Mm-hmm. He, it's as you said, he treats it as a tool. Yeah, it's a medium. It's yeah. just a different medium. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. Like people seem to like glorify anime. And like mm-hmm. I remember when I was younger, I used to be like, ah, oh, anime is the best. They tell like these real stories. And then you realize like, yeah, they tell these real bullshit stories a lot of the time. I mean, everything is just storytelling, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, human be- like it's probably one of the first things we did when we became social was tell stories. Yeah. And it's like, it's, maybe it's cave paintings. Maybe it's, you know, verbal stories. Maybe it's the writing system maybe you know Mm -hmm. they're just different mediums that have pros and cons like 
I'm super excited for, you know, at some point in the future, there's going to have, I'm assuming they're going to have like VR movies, similar like Netflix choose your own adventure, right? Yeah. So there's going to be, I've, I haven't seen it either, but I know, you know, I saw like little clips of how it worked. Right. So it's like, you know, interactive storytelling yeah. in that medium. And so, you know, VR. So yeah, it's like anime. It's got pros and cons mm-hmm. and yeah, he just uses it like a different art form to tell a story. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I really like about it. Like to, um, to kind of talk about like the difference between anime versus like western animation mm-hmm. western animation was always done with the idea of syndication in mind right you mean it's, like you mean like um, like gi joe or transformers oh, sure. right those okay. sort of things like those yeah. shows exist but they continue on forever and like no resolution ever occurs except for like they they're like oh crap we're we're losing funding for the show we got to wrap it up well especially for shows sudden. like that like those were really designed to sell toys right? yeah exactly yeah, yeah so those are like, even more commercialized right so yeah. a lot of anime or not anime a lot of western animation was designed for syndication in mind that's yeah. where like a lot of money comes from because yes. it's like every yeah sure your initial run makes a decent amount of money but it's the um the syndication that really uh make some money because you get like residuals on that right yeah that's the joke about the uh, the guy that played gunther oh yeah like six like now it's like 16 cents a month or something but he still like gets the check yeah, yeah. absolutely um and so but anime i always thought like when i was younger i was like oh they tell a cohesive story because they only get like 13 episodes or right. 26 episodes right but they have to tell a cohesive story what i found out later on after watching enough anime was that a lot of times they tell the the same stupid vapid story that western shows were doing just in a more time boxed constraint. Yeah. They didn't have 100 episodes to explore. They had 13 or 26, right? Yeah, well and even like, you know, there is a kind you know, kind of a cultural difference. Like I know like in the BBC, I mean, you know, BBC TV is now in op- American TV kind of operate the same, but 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, when Sherlock, know, like Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would basically, you know, they had series, right? And so, like, it wasn't automatically assumed that you would have a season. It was mm-hmm. just like, here's some of these to tell a little bit of a story. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know. I, yeah, and so, yeah, that's a good point. It's, yeah. it's quite different. And so, um, with Miyazaki, he was always just like, anime is just, like you said, the median on which I'm telling the story. The yeah. story is the most important part, not the animation. Yeah. The animation is just what we're using to get there. And the story I want to tell relies on the ability to bend the fabric of reality mm-hmm. in a way that didn't exist in any other art form outside of like maybe writing. Yeah, well, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Because if you imagine them trying to do that, because if you try to make this nowadays, it would just be like probably oh, CGI the fat. most CGI uh, in it. And it would be that CGI for the sake of CGI. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to like CGI, you know. But like, yeah, this could this could be a play. Mm-hmm. And it would be oh. a thing where like it'd be like your costume, except they'd probably have a pig mask on or, yeah, or yeah. makeup like a pig. And it would totally work. Yeah, because Yeah, it's the story. And like, you know, I can just imagine this being a play. Uh, uh, Porco Rosso Life. We just patented that right yeah, now. Yeah, we did. Uh, we're going to do it that. It could also be called Pygmalion, which I think is a similar uh, concept. Wait, did someone beat us to this? I think so. Are we going to get sued? No, we we came up with it first. They retroactively stole it from yeah, us. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we actually recorded this in 2015. This idea was so good yeah. that it uh, extended backwards into time. Yeah, okay. Uh, to uh, replace, I think Pygmalion is actually a Greek, like, art, like, ancestor, like, uh, not, uh, Oh, was it like Kabuki artifact. Theater? Yeah, no, it's oh. like artifact oh, yeah, of like yeah. Greek mythology. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or something. I have to go back and look at it. But yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, like this could totally work. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah. Because, absolutely. It's the, because it's the story. Yeah. And I think that the that comes from the, uh, at the time frame, like all media was still kind of play based in a weird way. Like if you look at Star Trek and even Star Trek The Next Generation, 
to use those as an example, but of other things of that time frame, they're all written as plays. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're like teleplays. Oh, and well, that makes sense because television was relatively new. Yeah, yeah. And like the 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 most analogous media you had at that point was the play. So it's yeah. like I'm gonna make a play that I can uh, rewatch infinite times whenever I want and broadcast to other people. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, so like okay. Miyazaki is the kind of person who would take like the play sure. mechanism and then yeah. turn it into something like an anime, which sure. I always like really. Yeah, that's super that. cool. Yep. And so my going back to initial impression, I I liked it at first. Uh, super loved it after that, and I've continued to love it ever yeah. since. Um, give me your second impression, your yeah. second screening. Yeah, so for my second screening, um, I think I enjoyed it uh, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It wasn't a huge amount more, um, and it, it, it has nothing to do... I think it's 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 not that my opinion went down or didn't go up as much as it could. I think it's I just liked it that much at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first time I watched it, I... You know, there's other movies where uh they're so culturally important to like you know i know what's going to happen and so there's you know no real tension this one i had absolute tension i didn't know how anything was going to be resolved mm-hmm. and Even so it's the second time you've seen it no no no, the first, oh, time. first time I'm sorry. yeah the yeah, first yeah. time yeah and so so the first time like it was it was really exciting yeah yeah um you know and so the second time um you know i i was able to focus more on the other stuff and look for kind of the nuances and i like that more mm-hmm. um but but yeah, I, I I definitely liked it more uh, the sec the second time uh, a slight increase. But but again, that's just because it was so good the first time. That's awesome. And and yeah, the second time I was able to yeah look for you know more nuanced stuff. And there's still kind of you know one of the reasons I love the fountain is because every time I rewatch it, I learn something new. And so like when you were telling me about stuff, I was like, oh, like I missed that. But then I was thinking about other stuff that I may have picked up on the second time. Yeah. So absolutely. yeah, yeah, this is fantastic. Awesome. Great. And it shocks me that uh, like there was a, a buddy of mine that uh, he likes uh, the Studio Ghibli films. And uh, and I told him, I was like, oh, I'm doing a second screening on on Porco Rosso, you know, uh, coming up. And and he's like, oh, that's that's one I haven't seen. And it's a, it's 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 interesting to me because, you know, and maybe I'm not the one to judge because I haven't seen a whole lot of the other ones. But I was like, man, I I re- I would really think this one would also be one of the famous ones because it's so good. Yeah. Um. But but it seems to be a lot more under the radar based on on what I've heard it, and seen. It really is. Yeah. It's totally under the radar. Yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah. I don't either. Me, yeah. It's so good. And I wonder if it's the reason why is that I'm going to guess that up until recently, Studio Ghibli has been more uh, up until that point. At that mm-hmm. point, Studio Ghibli had been more kind of kiddie. Yeah. Right? yeah. Kiki's yeah. delivery service. Now, How's Moving Castle, uh, the well, Magical. Well, Moving Castle is like later. Oh, okay, okay. Um, My Neighbor Totoro, though, those are all kind of focused on preteen kids and then sure. to do like where I'm a middle-aged pig man. Yeah, like, like, well, fighting, I'm, like a, I'm, I'm a middle-aged fascist. I'm a middle-aged combat vet pig man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was dealing with PTSD and survivor's guilt. Yeah, like... So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, is it, yeah, there's been other stuff like that, right? Where like mm-hmm. some somebody will make something that's like super for kids and then they just assume everything they make is for kids, but that's not the oh, case. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I can't, I can't think remember. of anything yeah. right now. I know, yeah, 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 I know, exactly. know there's stuff. And so uh, I almost want to say M. Night Shyamalan, but that's not it. But M. Night Shyamalan is known for twists, but not all those films have twists in them. Right. Uh, some of them, the twist is that they're fucking terrible. Like, like the Avatar happening. or the happening. No, the happening. Uh, so I did watch Bird Box. Oh, really? Which I, I liked. I liked okay. a lot. I need to watch Bird Box. And, and this is just my chance to tell my joke to the world okay, about how everyone's like, I, like not everyone. I'm starting to sound like Donald Trump. Some <laughs> people 
That sounds more like him. But this is actual some people, yeah, as yeah. in some small percentage of the people I talked to were like, oh, it was just like the happening. And I was like, no, no, no. It was not like the happening. And I was like, the happening was amazing because the happening was a movie about a bunch of people wanting to kill themselves. And when I watched the happening, I wanted to kill myself. And I was like, <laughs> this movie has transcended the visual art form. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this truly is art. It's yeah. made me feel something. It's connecting me with the characters. My desire to kill myself is their desire to kill themselves. It's it's like in the mouth of madness where it's like they have, the movie has like the movie is about a story and then the story is the movie is in the story and the fourth wall is broken and I just like want to kill myself with the happening. Um, but yeah, the M. Night Shyamalan, that was a terrible movie. Yeah. And so, no, yeah. The twist of M. Night Shyamalan is that he is actually just a bad director. Yeah. He's got some good stuff. He's got some good stuff. We actually went back recently, watched the Sixth Sense. It's Sixth Sense is great. I thought that it wasn't going to hold up because we knew the twist. Mm Mm-hmm. It actually held up incredibly well. Yeah, it's a ama- it's an amazing movie. movie. M Night Shyamalan is an interesting case to me because like the backlash against him was so fierce, and I never understood it. Because like Sixth Sense, amazing, Unbreakable, also amazing. Unbreakable actually might have some parallels to this, like some loose stuff, and maybe I'm just trying too hard to tie stuff together. But like Unbreakable is really good, but it isn't. But the happening was great, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I'm just curious if you know maybe this. Porco Rosso had a similar thing. Yeah. You know, where I, I, I can't compare because I haven't seen the other ones. Right. And I actually, I don't know how well this movie did outside of Japan either. Mm. Or inside of Japan, I should say. Mm. I know how it did outside of Japan. No one's fucking seen it except right. for me and like a handful of other people. Sure. Um, actually, I think Porco Rosso is starting to see more of a um, fan base. Uh, we were at SakuraCon last year. Or no, not. Was it last year? It might have been last year. Mm-hmm. Um and I was dressed up as a Mama Yuda boss, and oh. I found a Porco Rosso. Yeah. And the year before that, I dressed up as Porco Rosso. Part of um, me wonders how much of that is like access, because do you remember how like before you'd have to have to you'd have to go to like Scarecrow Video? Yeah, yeah. And like they would only have stuff that people would want to see, so it kind of became like, well, I guess they they were better than other places. But no, like Blockbuster, for instance. Yeah. Blockbuster only had the things that people wanted to see, right? And so yeah. it became like selection biased right yeah, selection like, bias yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. whereas These now are, maybe you could get away with it and people are able to access porco rosso easy enough they would see it and say like man this movie's great yeah i i wonder and i wonder if it might be if it might have better success if you could find a fucking miyazaki film on any streaming media mm. because like as you probably are aware it doesn't exist anywhere right yeah yeah so i own a physical copy and i had to rewatch it that way mm-hmm. um yeah, my buddy, the the guy I was talking about, he was a. Uh, I was like, try the library, and mm-hmm. the UW library totally had it. They oh, have, that's they, awesome. They have like, I think a lot of the Miyazaki films because, you know, I'm sure that there's either a movie class or an art class or both. There's also an anime club there. Oh well, I mean, you know, but if the library, you could see a teacher being like, oh, yeah, you, yeah. you know, watch this movie because you know, you know, is the Matrix quote unquote art? You know, I mean, I guess yeah, but I like, would say yeah, yeah, but but but. It'd be harder to, you know. Yeah, yeah I understand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, this is my like my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Um, I can see why after after having watched it, it's fantastic. It's one of those movies that you can just pop in, mm-hmm. and it's just fun to watch. Sure. And I, yeah, they deal with heavy ideas of like fascism and things like that. Um, Doesn't beat you bit. over the head with them. Yeah, though. no, absolutely not. Yeah. And it's like it's all just kind of this. All everything that happens. It, it there's no like overarching like major climax there's no like huge emotional like payoff things just kind of happen mm-hmm. but they're interesting the entire time and so it's it's 
fun and refreshing to watch. There, it's also natural too. Yeah, exactly. right. Because it's like okay, so he's fighting bounty hunter, or he's, he's a bounty hunter. That's what he does. Okay, there's an American guy who wants to shoot him down for fame. Like that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. uh, his plane is injured in the process due to previously forecast mechanical problems. Okay, he has to go get it repaired. Yeah, you know, and then it explains how he's at, and then you know, a little bit, you know, uh maybe a little bit of jumping with bringing the young engineer, but even that's not unreasonable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, so his path to redemption is a perfectly reasonable path. Yeah, and so, just like a natural thing that just happens. Yeah, right? no, nothing is forced in this movie, I don't think. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And But also, like, there's no major climax either, which is a thing that I, like, going back to, like, the it's refreshing. Because mm -hmm. it's not, it. you get these, like, big moments of, like, emotional impact. Like, I was having, like, an emotional reaction talking about the... Him yeah. seeing his comrades yeah. flying up to their their uh, reward in heaven, essentially, yeah. or um, his redemption, returning to a human, Dude, like finding yeah. his self worth and all that. Um, and these are these huge emotional things, but his the climax of the movie is so subtle, right. right? It's like this big interesting fight with Curtis, but it doesn't pay off. He doesn't beat Curtis necessarily. Oh yeah, good point. He yeah. kind of like technically it's a does. Draw. I think it's he, a draw, yeah, it's really. a draw. They do the Rocky yeah. um, Creed and thing where they knock punch out each, each other, other at the yeah. same time, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's a draw, and um, and it kind of leaves you hanging a little bit yeah. because that's kind of life, right? Does Porco become a human? You don't know. Yeah. You know. And and I'm I I always lament how movies have to explain everything now. Yeah, yeah. You know, or TV shows. You know, people say like, oh, you know, Lost sucks because it didn't explain everything. It explained most everything, and it's yeah. like just because it didn't like spell out everything in like a easily digestible form doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, I I think that most stories are usually better that way. Yeah, and I, I actually agree. really like that about Porco Rosso. Awesome. Yeah. Um, there was a uh, right before we end. Uh, there was one thing that I forgot to mention where mm. the beginning actually doesn't just start with Porco on the beach. It does the typing thing. It explains a little bit of the backstory. It goes, oh, yeah. There's like typing, the but it's in, every, it's in a bunch of different languages. Oh, that's right. That's so right. So like the English was on the bottom yeah. and the Japanese is on the top and there was Russian and sure. all these things. And it was like doing a typewriter yeah, type, yeah, like explaining right. like it, the year is 1921. Yeah, the, 1921. Yeah, the year 1921. <laughs> uh, Porco Rosso takes to the skies, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or like a bounty hunter takes to the skies to fight back against the unlawful sea pirates. Uh, they call him... The rose pig. And that's yeah. what Porco Rosso means. Yeah. The rose pig. Because he flies a bright, garish red plane. And he's a pig. Mwah. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And scene. And scene. All yeah. right. So give me your grades from initial impression to second screening. A to slightly higher A. It, it was great. And yeah. just, yeah, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I actually might... I might say A minus to A plus. Okay, sure. Because like I like I said, the first time I saw it, I remember the impression being mm -hmm. like it was good, but you know whatever. Yeah. It was. Uh, I would watch it again. Yeah. And I watch it again. And now I'm like, uh, I want to be Porco Rosso. Yeah. I want to live in that world. I do like you know it's funny because as I got older and older, you know I like the idea of just sitting on a beach with a mai tai, like listening to the radio. You know, yeah. younger me would be like, that sounds boring. Right. But older me is like. Where's that beach at? Where's that beach at? Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, the they showed him at the beginning. Um, I have an art book, actually, of Porco Rosso that uh -huh. describes him as a dandy. And I think that's a perfect example. Like, he's just, like, kind of, like, a little bougie, but also a little bit not. Because he kind of, like, he just wants to be, 
he works enough to make ends meet and yeah. that's it yeah but he's like sitting on the beach and i kind of like this aesthetic this like kind of italian aesthetic of mm-hmm. like he has wine like he doesn't have like a beer or anything yeah. or whatever like cooler beer he just has a glass of wine yeah and then like as many cigarettes as there could possibly be of, of course the italian yeah, yeah. oh yeah. absolutely yeah. like everyone smokes in this movie almost yeah. damn near everyone smokes in this movie which yeah. is like so like perfect for the time frame yes. Yeah, because nothing, uh, you know, my uh, open air engine with grease all everywhere. Let me light up a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how we did it. Hey, it's healthy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> all right. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us on Second Screening. Thank you for watching, Matthew. I'm so glad to get I, to show this to you. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Thank you for this. And, you know, uh, th- this was super cool just because of that. Absolutely. Awesome. That That's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast and, and we're back baby yeah we're back you're not rid of us yet yeah. paranoia shop. shop we're coming for you baby. we're coming for the, the top spot you yeah. know paranoia shop yeah squibbity scooty i'm coming for that 15 episodes booty booty yeah all right so join us next time when we review kung fu hustle oh god that's right we are gonna do that yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah we're doing kung fu hustle <laughs> yeah join us yeah when we watch some actually interesting cartoony kung fu yeah.